everybody. Welcome back to the Bet on Yourself podcast. This is season two, episode seven already. And I am really excited about today's topic. As you know, in season two, I'm going through the most frequently asked questions that I'm receiving from my consulting clients. And this week's episode, I think, applies to literally all of us. This one is about maintaining grit and avoiding burnout. This is definitely something that's not just a frequently asked question this week, but really over the last year plus, or maybe it's just part of everyday life, pandemic or not. But I really wanted to get into what is going on. Why are we all feeling particularly so stressed out right now? And honestly, some of the most successful and effective people I know are really at their limits. So let's all take a collective breath, offer ourselves some kindness, and recognize that this is not a problem of the week, okay? In fact, this seems to be hitting my highest achieving friends and executive clients the most. And when you think about it, that kind of makes sense. Burnout often comes with a sense of lack of control. And those of us who are high-performing love control. So to overcome burnout, we need to feel empowered again. We need to take control of our lives and our decisions and feel like we're back in that driver's seat. And that really is what the pandemic has taken from us, that sense of control. And we all need to find some ways to get it back. So today's episode is going to be about those bite-sized, easy ways of doing it without feeling overwhelmed about overcoming your overwhelm. And if you're like me, ironically, seeing a light at the end of this pandemic tunnel has made me even more anxious and impatient about our current situation. And I was thinking about that this morning of why am I losing patience when I just need to get through maybe the summer and then we'll have vaccinations, we'll be able to travel again, I'll be able to do some more normalcy, right? And I was remembering running my very first half marathon. I signed up for my first half marathon, uh, having never officially run a 5K. Um, but that's a whole nother story of how I found myself in that, uh, in that race, but it was in San Diego and it was a beautiful course on a beautiful day. And I have to tell you, I went through all the emotions possible during that one race. I started off with exhilaration at the very start of it. Like the crowd was there and I was surrounded by all these people who had a similar goal and kind of the, the flow of the crowd carried me along with them. Then around mile six, I fell. I was. Um, we were running actually on a freeway. The freeway had been closed for the race, and it was um, just starting an incline on an overpass. And I don't know what happened, but I tripped myself up, and I just, for no reason, tripping over nothing, fell flat on my face, scraped up my knee, both of my elbows. There was blood, and mostly I was just shocked. Um, so <laughs> that was hard to overcome. But a kind stranger helped me up, and I got back into my pace. Then my third major emotion was overwhelm, which is what we're talking about today. I was overwhelmed by how tired I was, um, by the entire experience, and I wasn't sure I was going to make it to the end. I hit that proverbial wall. Then I got really tearful. That was another strong emotion. I was actually... um, running towards the end of that race and looking at all these um, families that had come to cheer on their loved ones towards the end of the finish line. And they're holding signs of encouragement or, you know, jokes or something to kind of get you through the enormity of it. And this little girl was holding a sign that said, I'm proud of you, mommy. And I literally started to cry. (laughs) I don't have kids, so I didn't mistake her as my own. 
And I, I obviously that sign wasn't for me, but I was just like so overcome that this stranger was proud of me. And that really pushed me through until I hit that final last half mile. And then I was overcome with anger. And anger is not an emotion that I come by naturally. That for me is really unusual. But for some reason, I got super angry that I couldn't see the finish line. My tracker uh, that I was wearing said I'd already ran 14 miles. So I was like, where is this finish line? I think that uh, when I looked back, I had run really inefficiently on this like major four lane freeway. I had added actually some extra mileage uh, weaving my way around fellow runners. But um, my anger was actually, and not being able to see that finish line was like, I was exhausted. I wanted to just sprint it, get it over with. I didn't know how much I had left in the tank and not being able to see it really bothered me. But it turns out that there's actually a really good reason why they had designed the course that way. Uh, The marathon race finishes are purposely hidden from view because it's that last stretch where the most heart attacks happen. That's fascinating. I think that's very analogous to where we're at right now. We have come through so much. You've really pushed yourself beyond your limits. You felt all the strong emotions. And then if you do this sprint at the end, sometimes your heart just can't take it. So they purposely hide it so you don't have too long of a sprint to the finish line. And I think that's where we're at. We are in this last stretch. And what we have to do is pace ourselves, not not sprint to that new normal. So I just reread an amazing Harvard Business Review article on combating burnout. It's titled, Your Burnout is Unique, Your Recovery Will Be Too. So good. Please look it up. I'll try and link to it here. So in this article, it highlights that there are actually three different types of burnout, and each of them requires a completely different approach to overcoming it. So the three types are exhaustion, which is when you're feeling depleted mentally and or physically. The second is Cynical detachment, that's when we're feeling depletion of social connectedness. And third is a reduced sense of efficacy. So that's when we have a depletion of value for ourselves, when we feel like we're not doing anything very well. Um, So let's talk about the first one, exhaustion. So again, this is when we're feeling depleted mentally or physically. And honestly, who hasn't felt this recently? Definitely all of my clients, myself, my friends, everyone has had these moments. So what's the most effective way for us to get over these feelings of exhaustion? And the article points out that the most effective thing we can do is seek out things that are re-energizing acts of self-care. Re-energizing acts of self-care. Okay. What does that mean? So first, before we get into the details and recommended things we might want to try, Let's get over what might be your initial reaction, and let's first address that self-care is not self-indulgent. On the contrary, taking a break and focusing yourself is one of the best ways to not only combat exhaustion you're feeling right now, but to prevent it. So for my leader clients, my CEOs who are struggling, some of them feel like self-care is maybe antithetical to their image of what a quote-unquote serious leader looks like. Um, they might not understand how to prioritize self-care or use that as an example. So anything that resembles slowing down makes them actually feel really nervous and ineffective and like they're not doing their job, which again, adds to the overwhelm. So even those who can't imagine enjoying a luxury they can't afford. So if you feel like it's a luxury you can't afford, 
really give yourself permission to think about it as preventative and not self-indulgent. So for example, I had literally very recently, I had a startup CEO client of mine who is in a very quickly scaling company and he was finally taking a vacation with his girlfriend. And he sent me a panic email the first morning he arrived on his vacation, uh, copied his assistant and was like, how do I make this vacation as productive as possible? (laughs) He wanted my pro tips. Uh, So what I did for him was I reframed what he was doing as an opportunity, as an investment that would increase his productivity and effectiveness as a leader. So I reframed his vacation as a thinking retreat. Now, I am a big believer in thinking retreats. It actually makes you better at your job, more strategic, innovative, and productive. So if you proactively schedule these, um, all of my CEOs that I worked for, Jeff Bezos, Eric Schmidt, um, uh, Bill Gates is really famous for doing this. They all take time to do thinking retreats. So I encouraged him and several of my other clients actually to do this for themselves, to take a step away, take a breath, and just be reflective. So if you don't think you have time for self-care, like you're like, I'm not on vacation. I can't just reframe this as a thinking retreat. Okay. The article states that there is some hardcore scientific proof that we must make time for proactive self-care. The article says that unfortunately, when we're stressed, neuroscience tells us that our amygdala, which is the area of our brain responsible for our evolutionary fight or flight response, that kicks in. When that kicks in, it diverts resources from the prefrontal cortex prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for logical reasoning, problem solving, decision making, and willpower. So in other words, it is precisely when we're feeling stressed out and overwhelmed that we would most benefit from slowing down in order to think bigger, to be innovative, and to solve the problems that are actually stressing us out. So consider it as preventative against future stress as much as dealing with the feelings we have right now. So the article also emphasizes that studies show that taking breaks can help prevent decision fatigue, renew and strengthen our motivation, increase productivity and creativity, and consolidate memory and improve learning. So in short, even micro breaks can help us focus and be more productive. So if you are now convinced that you need to practice self-care, but you have no idea how you're going to find the time to actually do this, Let's consider maybe replacing a current habit that isn't enriching you with one that will nourish you and build you back up. So for example, I literally did this this week. I have replaced my morning social media scroll, which used to be how I woke myself up and just kind of eased into my day. I have replaced that because that's really not enriching me in any solid way. And I've added in 10 minutes of medication. Medication. (laughs) That's a hilarious Freudian slip. No, meditation (laughs) before my morning workout. So, taking that time to ease into my day by being really thoughtful and centering myself and being present has really um, given me energy that my traditional social media scroll in the morning never could. So, if we can't get more hours in our day, we can at least increase the quality of the way that we use them by replacing less beneficial activities with more beneficial ones. So, are you wanting some self care that feels measurable and data driven? Are you like me? Like you want to quantify how, how you're, um, how well you're doing in your self care? If if you lean that way, like many of my consulting clients, here's a couple things to consider. Maybe the way of taking care of yourself is about a healthy diet. 
Healthy diets are linked to better moods, more energy, lower depression levels, and it feels measurable. I actually use the MyFitnessPal app to watch my nutrition and see how that's affecting my moods. And it's, um, I do, yes, really love being able to track it and, and look at the nutritional values behind what I'm watching. And I love watching the graphs. It's very nerdy. Yes. Okay. So a second one is maybe exercise. So exercise is linked to better memory and ability to focus, greater capacity for learning and empathy. So this is a way if you're looking for ways to justify using this time for something that's measurable that you can use a fitness tracker for, that might be a place for you to start. But self-care might not actually be what you first thought. It doesn't have to be a spa or meditation. Maybe it's a moment enjoying nature. Maybe it's drawing, journaling, or reading, or just taking a quick walk between meetings or doing a crossword puzzle just for fun. So an easy way to get started without disrupting your entire day and test out which of these activities might actually work for you is maybe you can create some protected time in your calendar for micro breaks and try some new self-care activity maybe you haven't tried before. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I actually really hurt my back. This made me feel like 100 years old. I threw out my back for the first time ever doing nothing. Um, and since then, I've had to be really thoughtful about not sitting in a chair for too, too long without getting up because the only time it would relax after the injury was when I was walking. And that actually has really paid off because now I'm more thoughtful about not sitting on Zoom for like six hours without getting up. But I have to be really careful about getting up and moving around, getting my blood flowing, even just walking around this block, getting some fresh air really has rejuvenated me and given me more energy and helped me be more present and helpful to my clients when I am on Zoom with them. Okay, so let's get back to our three types of burnout. That was the first. Second is cynical detachment. This is when we're feeling a depletion of social connectedness. Yes, the whole world is in this category right now. So what do we do? Honestly, some of the happiest people I know have suddenly felt all that joy disappear. Maybe they're not sure why it happened aside from the pandemic or how to get it back. We are all longing for what we can do to restore this feeling of connection even if we're still in a state of lockdown, like here in Spain, we definitely are. We just now changed from a 6 p.m. curfew at night to a 10 p.m. curfew, for example. Uh, most of the people I know here are not vaccinated, rolling out much slower than it is in the States and in the UK. But even given that, given my state of lockdown and the limits to what I can do um, socially, that used to be my normals, there are things that we can still do to regain the sense of control. So yes, Zoom happy hours with colleagues is no longer cutting it. Doesn't feel cool or new or, or doing online baby showers. It's, it's not the same. It's true. So real recovery comes when we can create some space for restorative interactions. So restorative interactions are ways that we can connect with each other, even if we're not physically present with each other. So what works for cynical detachment burnout? First is we need to look at what works for exhaustion or in our self-care. It does not actually alleviate uh, cynical detachment. In fact, it might make it worse. This focusing on self might make us feel even more siloed. 
So that Harvard Business Review article says that when we're feeling alienated, focusing on ourselves might actually lead us to withdraw further, meaning that being kind to others can help us regain a sense of connectedness and belonging in our community. So this is the really different mindset. In the first category, we needed to focus on self-care. In this second one of feeling detached, we want to focus on a sense of connectedness and belonging in our community. So even if it's just taking a few minutes to comfort a colleague or listen to their concerns, that could lead to a reduction in your burnout associated with cynicism. So even if in extreme circumstances where direct social contact is not an option, even compassionate meditation, that training can help rewire some of the neural systems in our brain. So I actually learned this probably a decade ago. I was taking a class on meditation at Google. I had never tried it before, and I really wanted some guided meditations to experiment with and see what resonated with me. And at the time I was taking this class, uh, my grandmother was not well. It was right before she passed away. And I still had to work. She lived three hours away from where I was living in Seattle. And she was really on my mind. I, I really felt that depletion of being away from her and wanting to care for her and have that connection. And so that week we were actually focusing on meditation where we kind of send that compassionate meditation thoughts and energy to another person. And look, to me on paper, that sounded kind of fluffy frou-frou and I wanted to actually physically be there and care for her and hug her and, and be there for her in her last moments. But honestly, it really worked. Just sending, setting that intention and sending her the warmth and love, even from afar, really helped my mental stress around that feeling of detachment. So now it brings us to the third, a reduced sense of efficacy can be lead to burnout. So this is when we feel a depletion of value for ourselves. All of us go through cycles of this. I think it's a really normal part of life. Questioning our value is a cycle that few of us escape, but we can empower ourselves to actively combat it. So what works to build us back up when we're questioning our own core value? The most effective behavior to combat a low self-esteem are acts focused on building a positive sense of self. So the Harvard Business Review article says that, interestingly, this can mean either acts of self-compassion or compassion for others. So unlike the first two, this can be in, inwardly focused or outwardly focused. The key is simply to accomplish something that validates your own sense of personal value. So you want to make yourself feel like you accomplished something important today to really combat these feelings of reduced sense of efficacy. So there are some bite-sized challenges we can take on that will lift us back up pretty quickly. Even if not overall, it will give us that sense of accomplishment in the moment. So choose something that you value that you can accomplish today. Compartmentalize it. Like we're not going to address the whole pandemic or feeling like, you know, all these like history of patterns of behavior. No, today we're going to accomplish something that makes us feel proud of ourselves. So something like finishing out, finishing a workout session, if you are valuing your health right now, or maybe cooking a brand new dish for your family that you've never tried before. If you value serving them, expanding your knowledge or your skills, that might give you that sense of accomplishment. The key here is to give yourself a win and then allow yourself to be proud of it. Those two things are really important. Give yourself a win 
and give yourself permission to be proud of it and feel that sense of accomplishment. Simply accomplishing something that will validate our own sense of personal value can lift us up from some of these darker moments. So yes, a lot of these things are really about mindset. So some of my clients have come to me saying that they think as a leader, you can't really show any vulnerability. Recently, I was talking to a client that she said that any self-respecting leader has to have all the answers. Otherwise, she asked, why would anybody follow me? And there is a power in vulnerability that I think she wasn't thinking about. It can be something that benefits us and those around us. It's possible to create a win-win in this situation by asking for help, by asking for other people's opinions and allowing them to be part of the thought process. When we delegate tasks, we create opportunities for others to level up and learn something new and to have that moment of of pride in their own work and, and to lift themselves up. So cynical detachment and burnout can be addressed simply by reframing and or refocusing on the purposes behind our work, focusing on alleviating others' challenges to get that sense of connection back. And the article really finishes by emphasizing that it can't be stressed enough that the best cure for burnout is prevention. So our ideal pace and relationship with burnout can change over time. When I look back at my 20s, I don't know how I did that. I don't know how I did those early years in tech. It would definitely feel draining to me now in my 40s. Why is that? So in my first job, I was really thrilled with the new skills I was learning, the new stimulus of this crazy like early internet environment. I had a sense of being measurably better at my job with each additional day than I was the day before. And that really filled me up. It, it made me proud of my work and it gave it allowed me to combat this uh, potential overwhelm. I remember my mom asking me several times if uh, I found my work stressful or exhausting, but really that was not what I experienced. It actually energized me. My work was directly tied to my passions and a sense of self. And I felt like what I was doing was important to the future of the world. And I wanted to have that kind of impact. So now with my startup CEO clients, they are consistently asking me, how can they maintain that culture of grit from the early years of their company now that they're advancing into the scale-up stage? And the key really is about making your employees feel empowered and valued so that they don't experience these types of burnout. Provide them with opportunities to experience a finish line. Maybe even it's a false finish line, but create something to celebrate, whether that's you've been through a challenge and you've learned a lot, or you've come out the other side of a war room and launched a product. Even if you're gonna ask them to sprint again tomorrow, creating a little sense of celebration and accomplishment can really combat overwhelm that keeps us from having that same grit level. Second is creating some opportunities to challenge the status quo, showing them that you appreciate their values and their creativity, giving them opportunity to do something really challenging of of which they can be really proud and that will lift them up or incentivize some key performers. If you see them serving their teams really well or doing extra high quality work, lean into that and create your incentives around rewarding the behaviors that are linked to your mission, vision, and values. And really celebrate some wins. We all really need that right now. Even if those wins are what we've learned from a failure, that deserves a celebration because that's going to give us that moment of lift. Uh, It's going to build up our confidence again and make us feel proud about our work. And really, this is the secret to how I stayed happy in my career over 12 years at a single company. 
I was at Google for 12 years, but I really enjoyed it because it was value and passion aligned for me. I felt like my individual work mattered and was directly tied to the success of the whole company. And I felt like what we were doing was making a difference, but none of that happened by accident. That was all very proactive. I put myself in those places. I, I learned from some failures. I tried some stuff out that didn't work, but I felt like I had the ability to reinvent myself in ways that moved not only my career, but the company forward. And that alignment really kept me going for a long time. I worked with people I respected and I wanted to become like, and there was a culture of both grit and long-term thinking there. So as we've talked about in earlier uh, podcast episodes about future-proof careers, those careers are less likely to be plagued with burnout because we are value-aligned. It gives us some wins to celebrate. We're serving people next to us and creating things that lift us up and prevent that feeling of overwhelm. So I hope this has given you a couple of ideas or inspiration for some action you can take today to combat burnout and give yourself a win. Find what will fill you back up and take some control of your future by carving out some agency and how you spend your time and energy. You have more control than you think. So I would love to hear what's resonated with you, what you've tried, what's helped you with overwhelm, what are the, some of the challenges you're still experiencing today. And I would really love to hear when you take a big bet on yourself by being kind, taking some self-care, serving your community and others around you, and getting some good wins. Until next week, go make that big bet on yourself.